LinkedIn presents. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Clint Van Maravik about the critical importance of proactive employee risk management. Clint Van Vandenbeek, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hey, how you doing, John? It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Texas. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about the critical importance of proactive employee risk management, uh, generally speaking, but also in, specifically in relation to uh, COVID risk and uh, making sure we have safe uh, places to work for our people. Uh, as we get started, I wanted to share Clint's bio with everyone. Clint is the CEO and co-founder of Safer Me. He is a serial entrepreneur that specializes in startup businesses that tackle new and difficult safety problems. Now he's championing Safer Me's mission to help businesses, schools, and government entities keep their people safe by utilizing new contact tracing technologies. Safer Me is used in more than 60 countries around the world, and its clients include Fortune 500 companies, government agencies, and many high-profile brands. Again, Clint, a pleasure to have you. Anything else you would like to share with me or my audience by way of your background or personal context before we dive on into the conversation? Oh, no, not not particularly. I mean, you, you've, uh, I was just about to call you mate. But to John is the <laughs> John. John is the way that uh, we meant to meant to say. It. <clears throat> um, you hear from my accent and and uh, and um, lingo, I guess the things that I say. But I'm from New Zealand, down from the deep south, uh, but currently in Austin, Texas. So um, we obviously started um, uh, many many years ago, but during the COVID pandemic. Uh, supplied the New Zealand government uh, and then subsequent to that uh, a lot of different uh, companies in the US and um, subsequent to that a lot of companies that are being prepared for what's coming next so that's that's what we do and if that's of interest to you happy to dig in and share some of those learnings. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Thank you, Clint. And this is something everyone's been dealing with for a long time. And of course, contract contact tracing <laughs> is an important piece of all of this and having a, a safe workplace environment and dealing with employee risk around the, the pandemic. Um, but there are so many different aspects of risk that organizations are facing all the time. Uh, and so having a general 
proactive mindset around employee risk mm-hmm. management is super important. So we're going to dive in and unpack all of that together. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't you start by just telling us a little bit more about Safe for Me, uh, a little bit about the history and background of Safe for Me. You just provided a little bit of a teaser, mm-hmm. but a little bit more, and then we can dive into the contact mm-hmm. tracing elements and some of what you're doing today around proactive employee risk management. Yeah, so we Safe for Me specializes in predictive safety. So that by nature uh, forces us to be uh, at the edge of what's possible. Uh, and we've been doing that for a long time, uh, uh, since 2015, which is going going back away now. Uh, so that means we're always we've always been focused on where someone is relative to risk, and whether they're approaching risk or about to do something uh, dangerous. And it just so happened that we had already built a lot of the key technology required um, for the proximity of people to risk. And during the pandemic itself, it was actually the proximity of people to people that became a risk. So that is part of what we do and we're happy to talk about what pe- what large companies in particular are doing with regard to pandemic readiness because that's that's really what's a focus for a lot of uh, BCP business continuity planning teams and that's that has a whole little speci- sub-speciality in its own right um, primarily around how to respond fast enough. So if, a, if the next thing comes the next pandemic arrives how is it that you actually respond with speed this time because although everyone had an excuse last time a lot of businesses are thinking okay we can't get caught with our pants down a second time around um so that means being ready and how how do you go about being ready so there, there's there's a whole piece of work around that but say for me itself is actually always been around predictive safety um, and we've got a number of tools in that space as well and as well as um, safety management software generally um, which is the core underlying yeah thank you and the reality is i mean now we're getting to the point where <laughs> I, I i guess the the terminology is we've moved from pandemic to endemic um, so it's something we're still concerned about um, we certainly got caught with our, our pants down the last time around um, the reality is, even if perhaps we're out of the scariest times of of the COVID pandemic, um, there will be others like this. <laughs> it's it's just the way the world is now. Like, and we had others before COVID that mm-hmm. fortunately didn't spread as much. But but there will be other similar types of risks in the future, and hopefully, we learn some really important lessons uh, from these last few years so that we're better. You know, capable to to meet the the challenges that might come. So, mm-hmm. what what have you found from the organizations you've worked with? Those that were really well prepared, those that weren't so well prepared. Um, what lessons are mm-hmm. learned? You know, so that we can make a difference moving into the future. The next time we get hit with, you know, some major crisis, some mm-hmm. a, a pandemic, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's interesting having having supplied so many companies. You get to see which ones respond best and there's there tends to be a pattern that the best responding businesses will typically have a multidisciplinary team involved in that response and what that means is not just having the HR department not just the safety department it's not just the execs trying to solve these things and push down solutions it's really bringing um, people who are actually on the ground doing the work and your IT team, your HR team. So a multidisciplinary team that knows how to implement quickly. Um, and if that's not there, 
you it's very difficult for a large business to respond in the speed that's required so i guess, i guess that's the first thing and that and amongst the bcp challenges pandemic readiness has a few unique aspects and what we're seeing now is a trend towards pandemic readiness which is okay people are, <laughs> are taking a breath and thinking right now this is for our business perhaps this is a slightly lower risk now we can reassess what it is we're going to do right next time what have we really learned so there's been a little bit of breathing space, especially now coming into summer. So what being pandemic prepared means is typically you want to have your vendors pre-approved. So a unique problem uh, with responding to a pandemic is just how quickly you have to gear up. And if you're a very large company, uh, any well, even mid-size, so anything over around 4,000 staff roughly, above that size they typically can't respond faster than 30 days um, so you really have to be have your vendors pre-approved so that means your it team and security teams already uh, reviewed them um, you pre-trained a few of your key people on how to use these things uh, how to roll it out how to communicate about uh, what they are um, and a bunch of other things besides so just being just being ready to go is is quite important. Um, and the larger the company, uh, the more important that becomes because your your the impact of a pandemic is actually larger, and the ability to respond is it's actually much more difficult for the large companies. That's one thing. And then I guess also rating the risk for your industry. So that the businesses that really care about these uh, being extremely well prepared, uh, typically at food preparation, manufacturing, mining, construction, uh, critical logistics. These are the industries where you, you must be together to do your job. And if going down or a, a whole set of factories going down for a set period of time is, is disastrous. Um, for example. So it's also being realistic. So some businesses can work from home and and can easily pull right. that lever, but not everyone's in that basket. And not all aspects of every business is in that basket. So yeah, it's just a few things to think about. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Um, and it does actually lead to, mm -hmm. you know, the current debates around in-person face-to-face work versus mm -hmm. remote or hybrid. My hope is after the last three years that most organizations would have at least wrestled with those topics enough to be mm -hmm. ready to pivot a little bit faster, uh, a little bit more. I mean, everyone had to pivot. They had no choice <laughs> the last time around um, because of lockdowns and restrictions and everything. But, uh, but hopefully now, you know, organizations mm -hmm. have worked through some of that. They're going to be in a better position to, to respond quickly in, in a more effective way. Uh, if, if those types of um situations arise again, which they probably will at some point. But like you said, not every organization or not every part of every organization can go fully remote. Uh, mm -hmm. And so don't let's not forget the lessons we've learned through all the hard work that happened over the last couple of years of how to respond to those types of situations um, so that we we hopefully can do it even better the next time and uh, provide a better experience for employees who are dealing mm -hmm. with a lot of stuff, a lot of stress um, as the world you know, is revolving around them with a lot of turmoil. Um, maybe you can t tell us a little bit more uh, specifically around the the contact tracing technologies um, that were utilized um, with Safer Me and and 
what those and and your your platform and, and software what it'll allow organizations to do um, moving into the future as new threats arise. Mm-hmm. Yes, so for a business, a really high quality contact tracing solution is all about work continuation. So it's around having better data so that you can make smarter decisions, um, and that's essentially what Safer Me was all about delivering during the the major waves of the COVID pandemic and then preparing companies to be ready for the next one. Now, when it comes to the solution itself, it's essentially a small credit card sized uh, um, Bluetooth enabled device that anonymously stores data on it and nothing is transferred from from that card until the button is pushed by the person wearing it. So each each um, employee just wears a badge as normal, and then if there is a pandemic or an event and data is needed on, okay, who is at risk in our company? The person who's sick generally will push their own button in order to try and you know make the right people aware inside the business and keep their other employees safe, the other people they work with, and share that information with their HR team. So what happens now in, in most organizations that aren't using high-quality technology is they'll literally call someone up while they're at home um, going through a whole lot of strain and stress being sick and try to ask them okay who have you been near who's how bad is our exposure and that's just not right so uh, well i was going to ask about that that. we can share the information and and get to the bottom of things much much faster and instead of you know shutting down a whole site or 20 or 30 people having to go home it's it might only be four or five people that yeah. Have to take a few extra precautions for a couple of extra days, do a round of testing. Okay, great. Everyone else can just carry on working and feeling confident that really professional systems are in place. So that's that's essentially what the product does. Yeah, well, that's that's really cool. And I, I can really base off of my experience and the experience of my mm-hmm. family. You know, we saw a whole variety of ways that organizations have approached this in the past, and hopefully they'll approach it even better in the future. Um, you know, I'm a university professor is my day job. And so um, mm-hmm. we had all sorts of protocols in place at the university uh, and they had a contract, a contact tracing team put in mm-hmm. place that essentially did like mm-hmm. you just described. Um, so there was no technology utilized. Um it was fine, I guess, but not great. Um, I had, you know, three daughters who were um, working uh, and some of them worked in places that seemed to almost give no attention to this, mm-hmm. <laughs> which shocked me. Um, and then, but I had one daughter who worked at um, a company called in and out that you may be mm-hmm. familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were very, very proactive. Um, they primarily did the, the, the phone contact tracing, um, but, but they were very thorough, far more thorough than any other organization that I, that, that I personally experienced. Uh, and so I appreciated that for my daughter's health, for my family's health. Um, but I can only imagine the amount of time mm-hmm. manpower that went in to the, the phone calls and just tracking everything, um, mm-hmm. manually the way it seems like they did. I'm sure they use some sort of software, but, but largely it seemed like it was phone calls, um, and, and that just seems onerous and really challenging. And it, it's no wonder why many organizations didn't do very, a very good job with the contact tracing. Yeah. It's, it's actually not, it's not easy to do well if you're doing it manually and the larger your employee base, the obviously the more difficult it gets because you're dealing with the permutations of contact between people. Uh, and then it just takes 
a few meetings that you've forgotten and Mm -hmm. what's the point in calling someone and asking all these questions and then they forget five or six people that that were actually key contacts so if if you've got accurate data um, as i say you can make really accurate fast decisions and a lot of the time it it significantly reduces cost for the Mm -hmm. company because you're not having to spend all the time interviewing and you're actually getting accurate results about who is or is not at risk. And usually it's it's less people at risk if you've got better data and therefore more people can continue right. working, feeling like they're being looked after properly. So that's what technology makes available. And I guess another key thing for business people to know is just that it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a contact tracing as a term is not well uh didn't do well in the public sphere, especially in the in the government state level. Um, and that's mainly because the data is even harder to gather and harder to engage with your, your population. Um, whereas with inside an employee, inside a business, people expect to be kept safe. They expect that they it, it's a duty of care that your company has to you yeah. as an employee to look after you. Um, and you yourself as an employee also want to keep your work people you work with safe as well so there's, there's a lot of that um it, it's really quite possible to do a great job inside a business context if you if you also assist with technology that's something obviously that we uh, pioneered and developed and have rolled out at safe for me um all across the world uh, starting in New Zealand, but very quickly um, uh, into many, many, or I think it's over 40, 40 different countries around the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and certainly it seemed like New Zealand was kind of the poster child for good, effective response <laughs> to the pandemic and, and dealing with it in a healthy way and keeping people safe and healthy. Um, so it's it's no wonder uh, that... that uh, all of this emerged uh, from that context and that you've been able to help a lot of different places. Uh, As we move towards wrapping up, I thought maybe you could share with us your thoughts and insights, because I'm sure that you're tracking this space all the time um, about Mm -hmm. what new threats could be out there, et cetera, how companies can respond to them. What do you see as like the biggest things companies should be preparing for um, say in the next couple of years? Uh, what, what do they say? Predictions about the future are difficult, or there's there's some sort of Yogi Berra saying that everyone throws around. It's I, th- I think it's it being there are a few practical lessons here. Um, one is the obvious one is to to be prepared for a longer duration than two years. So thinking about a ten or twenty year duration is smart if you're a large company. Um, I think there's also some lessons around the openness and transparency of communication uh, generally uh, inside companies. So being able to share the plan that you have for what's coming with your employees and also to share with them what you do and do not know about what's out there. So it's, it's not wrong to say, we don't know what's coming, but this is, these are the steps that we're taking to be prepared and having those sort of honest conversations allows you to uh, also be realistic when threat levels are raised and you can again communicate openly and honestly that we don't necessarily know how bad this next threat's going to be, say a monkeypox or whatever else comes through. However, these are the steps we're taking to 
to address that. And I, I think trying to be too sure about what it is you, that's happening is a recipe, I'm not going to say for disaster, but it, it undermines trust. And it's better to sometimes say that you don't necessarily know what's going to happen. But these, as I say, these are the steps we're taking to be prepared. So obviously, um, as a as a pandemic readiness company and a predictive safety business, we're going to say it's a good idea to be prepared. Um, but then again, there's some the lessons in communication is also equally as important. Yeah, the reality is we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know yeah. exactly what's going to come or how it's going to show up. But what we do know, I mean, that something will happen. Sooner or later, yeah. <laughs> um, things do happen. And I mean, we would have to be like the luckiest. Uh, everything The stars would have to align. We'd have to be so lucky to not experience this again. Um, it, it's just mm-hmm. the the world we're in. Uh, we're so interconnected. There's so much um, opportunity for these types of uh, events to arise. Uh, and so we just need to, you know, there, there are hopefully more and more safety measures put in place at the government level and, you know, try to protect people, et cetera. But the reality is, you know, this, this is, we're going to have to deal with this again. So making sure that we're being as proactive as possible, um, that we have the technological tools to assist us when, if, and when, you know, this arises again, uh, and that we, have as a team uh, thought through these issues so that we're not caught flat-footed. Uh, we're mm-hmm. not going to know exactly what's going to happen or how we're going to respond, but at least we can have some general idea of like how we would approach different scenarios, uh, which will be really important. And something you said earlier, which I think is really, really vital, is the idea of having interdisciplinary teams of people trying mm-hmm. to talk through these things and and being proactive around employee risk within their organizations, because in so many places, it really is just the HR team or the the risk person or the risk team mm-hmm. uh, or the legal <laughs> counsel, or, you know, do, do you actually have the input from various areas to come up with good solutions, good approaches that are both humane and will help the business uh, to protect itself and to, to keep the doors open, so to speak, and continue to provide the products and services uh, in the economy. And unless we can have, you know, a more interdisciplinary approach and get out of our silos uh, more and faster, um, I, I think we're going to find ourselves in these types of situations again, where so many organizations found themselves flat-footed last time. Well, Clint, this has been a real pleasure. I note the time. I need to let you go here in just a minute. But before we wrap things up, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Oh, great. Yes. So if you want to find out more about Safer Me, it's easy. You just go to safer.me um, right there on the internet and you'll be able to read up all about us um, and obviously book a meeting with any of our team to discuss what it is that um, you might need with regard to pandemic readiness or predictive safety generally. That's that's our passion, something we've been working on for coming up to 10 years now. Final word of the day, better data makes for better decisions. Good data makes for better decisions. Amen to that. Uh, So important. Thank you, Clint. This has been a pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Clint and his team can do for you at Safer Me. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support.
Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.